Well, today, um, that song, Lookenbach, Texas, how many of you guys have heard that song before? Anybody? I mean, you're, you're probably not alive if you haven't heard that song before. Um, but the thing is, you know, I, I look at that song in a different light, just like uh, David said. I look at it in a different light now that I've God's kind of shown me a few things. And as I look at it, I, I hear Waylon, obviously Waylon and Willie. If you've ever heard of Willie uh, Nelson, <laughs> actually shares a birthday uh, with uh, my wife. Looking back, Texas song, I mean, it's just an amazing song. But if you really look at it and if you really, you know, kind of internalize what he's talking about, he's talking about this, this idea of how he's made it big, Right? I mean, Waylon and Willie made it big. They made it big. I mean, they had all these number one hits. They were the high women. I mean, the outlaws, all that fun stuff. They made it big. But then they look at their life and they think, is this it? I mean, really? I mean, they're just like, okay, so we've got these number one songs. Our names are on billboards and all that stuff. And they look at it and they go, is that, is, you know, is this it? And then they think, well, I'd rather go back to Lookenbach, Texas, you know, with Waylon and Willie and the boys and have a little fun, you know, and just get back to the normal things like guitars. And it said firm feeling women, but we took that out. <laughs> Strong, faithful women. Some more spiritual. Anyways, uh, I like, I like my firm feeling woman. But anyways, um, so when you think about that song, you know, there's this internal struggle that Waylon and Willie and the boys were feeling, right? I mean, they're like, yeah, I mean, we've had a great time, but is this really it? Is this, you know, what it means to, to really be rich, right? As I thought about that, and David brought that song to me, and it tied in perfectly with what I believe that God wants me to talk about. And, and I believe that, that, listen to this, I believe that we all... Whether we're rich or not, and I, I always say rich is relative because all of us are rich. I mean, we really are. If you think about it, I mean, we've all had meals to eat today uh, already, and, and we're going to eat meals all day. And we've got hats that cost more than some people's, you know, houses. And, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're all rich. And so it's not like, oh, I'm not going to be able to relate to this because, it's, you know, I'm not rich. No, you are. If you got 20 bucks in your pocket, you're probably rich, more rich than in most people in the world. But I think that all of us, if we were to be honest, I would say we struggle with the same battle of, you know, is it, is, you know, it, is that it? I mean, I got this and is it, is this it? You know, is this really what riches are? Is this really what it's supposed to feel like? And so here's, here's the question that I've asked. So what is the key if, if, you know, we get to a certain level in our lives, whether it's, you know, promotion in our business or we buy a bunch of land or we ride nice horses or, you know, whatever. I mean, if we get to a certain point in life and then we ask that question, is this it? Is this really what is fulfilling in life? I think at some point all of us have, have asked that question. And so today I want to start a series. It is, the title of it is this, Big and Rich. <laughs> Big and Rich. <laughs> and I was looking for some top hats today because, you know, big and rich, big wears one. But anyways, uh, big and rich. And, and I want to look at this in, in this series. And I want us to look at the biblical look or the biblical, how the Bible would describe what it is that, you know, really makes us big and truly rich. Okay. Um, and in this series, we're going to look at what Paul says to Timothy uh, his his ministerial son, his spiritual son. Paul obviously didn't have a son that we know of, but he, he took Timothy under his wing and he said, okay, Timothy, I'm going to teach you how to lead the church, right? And so Paul's talking to Timothy, and I want to look at it in the, in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 2 through 10. Look at it with me as I read it. And you can say the underlined words with me. What's the first word? 
Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to what? Obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. And so here you've got, you've got Paul talking to Timothy and Paul says to Timothy, hey, teach these things, but just know this. If there are false teachers or other teachers out there teaching something different than what I'm fixing to teach you, listen, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. They're just out to teach the things that God has given them, the wisdom that God's given them for their own good and, and for a, a, to gain wealth and a lucrative life. But listen to what Paul describes as true riches, okay? In verse 6, it says this, Yet true what? Godliness with contentment is itself what? Great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world and we can't take anything uh, with us when we leave it. So if we have nothing or if we have enough food and clothing, let us be what? Content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into what? Ruin and destruction for the Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth or the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And then listen to what else he says. Teach those who are rich. And again, we're all rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in who? God, who what? Richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience what? True Life, true life. I think that all of us at some point in our lives, we look at riches, we look at money, we look at all the things that we've got and we go, is this it? Is this really what life is all about? I mean, it's it's true that, you know, money can make a difference and we're going to talk about it here in a second. But I don't believe that money is the answer to our problems. I don't believe that. And that's what I want to kind of focus in on today. What does Paul tell Timothy to teach the people? He tells them three things that I want to point out. Number one is this. Teach the people what being rich and, or big and rich really looks like. Teach them what being big and rich really looks like. I don't know about you, but how many of you guys have ever looked at someone who is rich, you know, had a lot of money, and, and you thought, man, that'd be nice. Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just, just bear with I mean, go with me here. 
It, it, it happens to all of us, right? I mean, we look at people and, you know, people that have a lot of money and we look at them and we think, well, you know, money's not an issue for them. They, you know, they have whatever they want. I mean, they ride, you know, ride nice horses. They, you know, drive nice trucks. They have nice rigs. I mean, they have vacation homes. I mean, they own hundreds of sections of land and I've got like two acres, you know, I mean, and then they look at it and they go, man, they got nice clothes. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't have to worry about these things. And we look at them and we go, man, that'd be nice. I, I mean, I, I admit it. I, I've said it. You know, man, that'd be nice. If I had, you know, their kind of money, then I, you know, wouldn't have any worries in the world. And life would be easier. Now, can I just point out a little truth? Life is easier with money. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't know if I buy that. You're, you're full of it then. I mean, if I had enough money to pay off all my debt, if I had enough money to not worry about my bills, if I had enough money not to worry about college, paying for college for three kids, if I had, I mean, it'd be easier. I'm just telling you, it is. When you have a little money, it's easier. But here's what else I would argue. I would also argue that just because you have uh, money doesn't make your life more fulfilling. Are you with me? It may be easier and all that stuff, and man, we all wished it was easier and all that stuff. But I would argue that just because you have some money doesn't make your life more fulfilling. The truth is this. Money lies. It lies. I don't know if you've ever heard the the tangle up of money or the, the voice of money, but a lot of times money says things like this. If you lose me, you'll lose your life. If, if you don't have me, you can't be happy. You, you know, I'll fix all your problems. I'll make you rich. But the truth is money lies. It, it really does. I've had, you know, times in my life where I have not had squat to my name. I had like $2 in my pocket. God has obviously blessed us with more than we could ever imagine. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter. I, I've been given... Big gifts from, you know, family and inherited certain gifts or whatever. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, when you have money, how many of you guys have ever had this problem? When you get a little money, you don't know where you want to spend it. Anybody? It's like you forget what you want to spend it on. When you don't have money, then you have like 40 different things that you would buy. But as soon as you get a little money, it's like, what did I want? You know, this is really doesn't, you know. And then you buy something. It's like, oh, great. This is cool. And then you put it in the closet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just what happens, right? I mean, that's just the truth. Money lies. But here, listen to what Paul says, you know, is really truly rich and makes you truly big. Listen to what it says in verse 6. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You say, Bo, how do I become big? How do I become rich? The Bible is teaching us, and I want to teach you through this series, that to have true rich lifestyle, to be truly rich, you have to be rich in godliness. You have to be rich in contentment. After all, the Bible says in verse 7, After all, we brought nothing into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. I've done a lot of funerals, and I've never seen a U-Haul pulled behind a hearse. I haven't. I'm yet to see it. There's no, there's no like, you know, trailer hitches on hearses. It just doesn't happen. And so you say, well, what's the point? Well, true riches are not... True riches are not found in the money that God gives us. True riches are found in God himself. I mean, if you know Jesus, you've received eternal life. One of these days, you're going to be able to experience what it feels like to be truly rich. You know why? Because you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You're going to get your mansion that you've always wanted. You're going to get to walk streets of gold. 
You know why? Because you know Jesus. Not because you've got a lot of money on earth. Not because you can buy your way in. Not because of any of that stuff. It's because you know God personally through Jesus Christ. That's what makes us big and rich. <laughs> and you say, okay, but what, what is this contentment idea? I think a lot of times, when, when, at least when I think of contentment, I think of laziness. I don't know if that's right. I mean, I know it's not right, but, but I think of, you know, if I get content with where I'm at, then I'm lazy. No, listen, when God says to be content, he means just be thankful for what you have, right? Still keep working, still keep trying, still keep going to your job every day and, and glorifying him through it, but be content with what you have. Here's what I've found. When I become content with what I have, I find more satisfaction in life. It's when I look for other things and I try to get here or get there. I'm not saying don't try to grow a business because that's not the issue. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But here's what I read some studies. Here's the thing. The more you pursue money, the less satisfied you are. But here's the other truth. The more you pursue God, the more satisfied you become. I'm just telling you. It works that way. A study show, I read some studies, and they show that this, that people that focus in on money are more likely to be depressed and anxious. They are. Um, we live in a society where a lot of younger people, and I, I'm not so young, but a lot of younger people, they wanna, they're looking for fame and they're looking for fortune like tomorrow. I mean, you get on American Idol, blah, you know, just like, okay, I'm in a mil- I win a million bucks. You get on, you know, these shows, you invent something new, I mean, in the tech world and all that stuff. And I'm not saying any of that stuff's bad, but people are pursuing money in such a way that it makes them depressed if they don't have it within, you know, 30 days. And they get depressed and they get anxious. Evidence also shows that, that those who have money and their, their main pursuit is pursuing money and fame, guess what? They, they tend not to trust God. As much, and they tend not to pray. Generally speaking, I know a lot of rich people that pray. I know a lot of rich people that love Jesus. But generally speaking, when people pursue money, they tend not to rely on God as much, and they tend not to pray as much. That's what the study shows. But the opposite is true when you pursue God. When you pursue God, you, try, you, you find true satisfaction. And you say, well, why? Why is it that, why is it that way? I mean, again, the world's saying you've got to have money to, to be happy. No, here's why. Because God has the power to meet our deepest needs, not money. I mean, think about it. In Philippians 4.19, it says this. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God can meet our deepest needs. Now, I know some of you walk in here and you go, man, I need some money. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. We need some money. We've got to pay our bills and all that stuff. Can I just tell you, God has met this church's needs. And if you need money, we have money. If you need resources, we have resources. And here's the thing. We've learned, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, we've learned that it's better to give than to receive. And we want to be a church that is generous. And so you say, you know, I love God. I love all this stuff, but we're behind. We need a little money. Listen, fill out that orange card. Place it in one of these yellow buckets when you leave today, and we will help you. We'll help meet that financial need. Because I know it's real for some people. I mean, some people, again, they're good people. They have jobs. They just can't get ahead. We're here to help you get ahead. Amen? I think that's a good thing. So number one, being big and rich has little to do with money. 
And it has more to do with knowing God and being content with what he's given us. Here's what Paul goes on to tell Timothy. Number two is this. Teach them not to love money, but to enjoy it. Now, this is where a lot of religious people will be like, what? Okay. But, but I, want to, I want to get this. I, I, I want to make this point. Look at verses 10 and 17. It says this. For the, what's the word? Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who what? Richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Enjoyment. Um, here's, here's what I've learned. I love it that, that, that Paul includes this part because I think a lot of times we can get so stuck up as a Christian. We think, you know, I, you don't need to be spending money. You, you don't need those shoes. You don't need those boots. Don't buy that pool. You know, don't put that pool in. You don't need that. You don't need that new truck. You don't need those new earrings. You don't need that. And they just want to look, all Christians should live in poverty. It's like, what you know, we shouldn't enjoy the things, you know, that, that again, I believe that God has given us. And in verse 17, it says, trust in, you know, your trust should be in God who richly gives us all things, all we need for our enjoyment. So I, I think a lot of so-called, you know, good people, you know, good Christian people, they take this ungodly view of money and they think that money in and of itself is what is evil. I mean, they think if anyone, you know, has nice things or they drive a nice truck or, you know, whatever, they're not really in God's will. They're unholy. And can I just say they're wrong? Amen? I'm just telling you. I'm not saying you, you got to have all that stuff to be fulfilled. We've, we're, we're covering that. But I'm just telling you, there are things that, that God has given us so that we can enjoy them. Here's the thing. I personally think the refusal to enjoy what God has given us is just as big a sin as any other sin. I'm just telling you. I know a lot of crabby people who want to say, Bo got a new car. You know, by the way, my, my father-in-law owns a Dodge dealership. So I get the family discount. So if I roll out in a new car, it's cheap. Okay, so don't be judging me because of my new car. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I get the family discount. But here's the thing. I think, again, a lot of people, God says, here's something I want to give you. Here's something I want to bless you with. I mean, you know, here's this new gun that just came out. I want you to buy that and enjoy shooting something. Go kill it. But we go, no, 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 no. I just, I just want to live, you know, in, in this poverty kind of an idea. And I, I don't want to enjoy what God has given me. I, I think that's foolish. I, I really do. Um, because, you know, the scripture tells us that we are, we are given the things that God has given us for our enjoyment. And can I just give you a little tip? If you are doing things or buying things for your enjoyment and you're having to go in stupid debt, that's not of God. Are you with me? I mean, he gives you a little money, a little extra money. You go out and buy a new horse. That's good. But if you got to go get a loan and, you know, and all that stuff. And again, every situation is different. I'm not saying you can't get a loan and enjoy things that God. But I'm just telling you, if you're in debt, credit card debt up to your ears because you're trying to live this good life and enjoy what God's given you. He hasn't given you that. You owe somebody, <laughs> you know, the credit card money. So I'm just telling you, I'm not I use my credit card every day, but we pay it off at the end of the month. Right. Enjoy the things that God has given you. We are going to enjoy the things that God has given us in this church. 
We're going to rejoice. We're not going to apologize for having nice things. Because, again, the Bible, when it talks about you know, being excellent, it talks about glorifying God through the things that you do. And so just because I haven't, you know, we have a new excellence facility, I'm just telling you, we're building that facility for the glory of God. Amen? I mean, you say that we're going to, six, you know, we're going to spend millions of dollars on this facility. I think it's a glorif- it glorifies God. Here's what I've learned. If you build things that are crummy, then you attract people that like crummy. If you build things that are, you know, excellent and that are good and you do a good job taking care of them and the lawn's mowed and the paint is good and all that stuff and you take care of those things, you attract everybody. You attract those who appreciate excellence and still attract the people that like crummy. So we've decided we're going to do an excellent job at glorifying God. We're going to attract everybody because everybody will come to something that's done excellent. And so that's what we're going to do. And, and again, we're going to enjoy it because that's what God wants us to enjoy. Paul tells Timothy, he says, teach them that money in and of itself is not evil. Do you hear me on that? I mean, just because, again, we have money doesn't make it evil. It is the what? Love of money that makes it evil. And you say, okay, but how do I know if I love money? How do I know? Well, the answer, you, you find yourself you know, wondering from God. Here's, that's part of the answer. If you find yourself wondering from God, like the verse says, uh, you know, and, and living a, a lifestyle of sin, then you probably have this, uh, you know, a certain love for money. Look at the verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have what? And they've wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Again, if your pursuit of money leads you to lie, then you may love money. If your pursuit of money leads you to cheat others or steal or sacrifice your relationships that you know are good to get more money, then it's probably, you, you may love money. I mean, again, it's just like Willie, Waylon and Willie. I mean, they, they were fighting like the Hatfield, Hatfields and the McCoys, right? And that's what money caused them to do. If you find yourself feuding over it, and can I just tell you, well, I do a lot of premarriage counseling, and the top three things that people fight over, you know what they are? The other one is family, finances, family, and sex. Top three. And I'm just telling you, because I'm married, I know that the finances is a big one. It is. And so if you focus your life on, we got to have more money, we got to have more money, we got to pursue money, we got to do this, we got to do that, I got to make all this money, all this stuff, you're just leading yourself down a road. I mean, you're, you're putting your faith in money rather than in God. And it's going to cause problems. The love of money, it also causes us to sacrifice our fellowship with God. Uh, if you come to church when the business is down, when your business isn't going too well or, you know, when things are slow and but you when things are good, you, you don't come to church. You may love money more than God. I know that's probably in your face a little bit, but I'm just telling you, it's, it's true. It's like, oh, we need God now because we don't have any money. So we're going to go to church. We're going to get right with God and then we're going to he's going to bless us. And then he blesses you again. And then it's like, OK, see you later. If you, if you read your Bible when, you know, again, business is down and you worship God when business is down, but then when business is good, you don't have time, you may love money. Eventually, what happens is money pulls you away from fellowship with God and you fall into sin. 
It's what it talks about. It's what the Bible's talking about. Another indication of loving money is when you pursue wealth for personal gain only. For personal gaining only. In other words, it's all about me. It's all about what I can have. Again, how many guys would uh, admit that you're selfish? Come on, raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah, it's it, all of us are born with this certain type of selfishness where it's all about my gain. It's all about, you know, my money. It's all about my lifestyle. It's whatever I can get out of this. You know, I got to keep up with the Joneses so that I can eat, drink, and be merry. Right? But here's the truth. You may love money if that's the only thing that's on your mind. If you never think about other people, if you put your wife second and you spend your money on you, if you you don't think about others or how you can help others or how you can use that money for God's glory and for the good of others, then you may love money. You may love money. I'll give you an example. There's a rich farmer uh, in the Bible. And a lot of you guys can relate to this because a lot of you guys are farmers. But there's this rich farmer. and the, the, he, he has a, a crop that is plentiful. And I'll, I'll just read it for you. It says this in Luke chapter 12. He, he, Jesus is talking. And he, said, he told this parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful, plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall... And I want, I want you to focus in on the word I. What shall... I do, for I have nothing or nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for what? Himself and is not rich toward God. Listen, you know, in the story, you had this rich farmer, right? He has a plentiful crop. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, a lot of crops, you know, aren't so good nowadays, but his was plentiful, And so what does he do? He says, well, I'll just keep this for myself. I'll just keep it so that I can be, you know, happy for the rest of my life. But guess what? He did it for himself. His focus was in on himself. And and so here's the truth. We are guilty of loving money when we only use it for ourselves. And we're not rich, what the Bible says, toward God. And you, you may be thinking, well, shouldn't we reap the blessings of our hard work? Absolutely. I mean, the Bible also teaches, and we can't get on one extreme and not the other. The Bible also teaches that you're to take care of your family first. You're just as bad as a a non-believer who doesn't love Jesus if you haven't taken care of your family. So you don't give everything away and then your kids are starving and they can't afford to have clothes or, you know, enjoy, you know, life a little bit. And so, yes, you're supposed to reap from your hard work. And there's nothing wrong with that. But... We should also be rich toward God and rich toward others. You may be thinking, well, I thought God was, you know, rich. I thought he had everything that he needed. How, you know, how can I be rich toward God if he's already rich? Well, Paul tells Timothy how. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says, tell them to use their money to do what? To do good. They should be rich in what? Good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to what? Share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 
You say, how do I know if I love money? Well, if all you do is spend it on yourself, you probably love money. The Bible says that we ought to be generous with our money. Be rich toward God. Give to others that are in need. And, and so here's the last thing I want to talk about. Paul says to Timothy, number three, teach them to be generous with their riches. Being blessed with riches because you've grown a business. Listen to this. Being, being blessed you know, with riches because you, you know, have a, a successful ranch. Being blessed because you got a promotion and you're making more money is not the issue. You ought to get on your knees and thank God for those things. The issue is this. It's what we do with the riches that God has given us that makes it right or wrong. It's what you do with them. And so the key to being big and rich is not found in having money. It is found in using the money that God has given you to be generous toward him and toward others. That's the key to being big and rich. Now you know. Now you know. Here's what I want to close with. Are you big and rich in the things that really matter? I mean, think about it. Are you, are you living a godly life? I mean, the Bible says, you know what true wealth is? It's knowing God and, and living a godly life. Are you content with what, you, what God has given you? I mean, have you, have you, you know, thanked Him for that? I mean, are you rich, you know, obviously toward God? Are you rich in sharing? Are you generous with your wealth? Here's the other question. Do you enjoy the things that God has blessed you with? I, I think we should. Some of you guys need to loosen up your collar and have a little fun and glorify God through it. Amen? Here's the other thing. Do you love money? I mean, again, are you just using it for your glory or for your, your good and not the good of others? Are you generous with what God has given you? I hope that you are. And I hope that you become that person that is generous with what God's given you because here's the truth. You will be more satisfied. You will be more happy. Because you found your riches in things that really matter. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I want to ask you a few questions. How many of you guys, again, nobody's looking around. We're not going to call. We don't call anybody to the front um, or anything like that. But how many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo? At some point in my life, and it may be right now. But at some point in my life, I've pursued money more than I've pursued God. How many of you guys would raise your hand? And just admit that. Yeah, all over the barn. Yeah. Again, you're not alone. I mean, all of us at some point in our lives have said, man, I got to have money to be happy. I got to have money to, or, you know, I'm not going to, you know, have all my needs met. Or I got to, and you put your trust more in money rather than in God. Can I just tell you this? Those of you, raise your hand, maybe those of you that didn't. Maybe you need to commit today to say, okay, Lord, I'm tired of listening to the lie that money sells. I'm tired of listening to the lie that, that money says, you know, is, is really going to be my only satisfaction. That money is going to fix all my problems. I'm tired of listening to that. So maybe you just need to pray this commitment. Lord, I, I'm committing to live a life, a, a big and rich life that is found in you. A true life that is found in, in living for you, in knowing you, so that I can be truly rich. 
Listen, maybe, maybe you need to make that your prayer today. Again, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you don't have the finances you need. I'm telling you, God doesn't want to be second in anything. He wants to be first. And so if you will put your, you, your money where your mouth is and you will give richly to God, if you will give richly to others, if you will you know, pour out what He's given to you instead of trying to keep it for yourself, I'm telling you, He will meet your every need. And He will bless you. So again, maybe you say, well, I need more help. Here's all we ask you to do. You fill out that orange card that was on your chair. Place it in one of these yellow buckets and we'll contact you. Or you can text your name to the number on the screen and we will contact you. It's that simple. If you're struggling, if you, you know, again, you love money and you want to stop loving money and you need more insight, more prayer, more scripture to follow, we want to give that to you. And so fill out that orange card. Place it in one of these yellow buckets and let us contact you. Some of you are here today and you don't know God personally. Therefore, you are missing out on his his riches. You're missing out on his provision. And so today, maybe you need to accept Jesus into your life for the very first time. You say, but I don't understand how to do that. Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, it says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And you say, but I, so what you're saying is I got to confess Jesus is my Lord and I got to believe that he's alive. Yes, that's it. He says, if you will do that, then I will come into your life. And you say, well, what does the word saved mean? It means that he's going to forgive you of all your sin. He's going to wipe away your past and he's going to give you a future that is bright A future with purpose. A future full of love and peace and joy, even in the midst of pain. And so maybe you're here today and in your chair right here, right now, in your heart, maybe you just need to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me. And I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. I need you. Listen, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the very first time. My my heart rejoices if you did. And I know that this church celebrates that because that's why we created this church is so that we could reach people that, that are far from God and bring them into a right relationship with Him through Jesus. And so if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, my challenge to you is let us know you're, you're going to begin a new life in Jesus. And we want to help you do that. And so fill out that orange card again, place it in this, the, these yellow buckets or text your name to the number on the screen and we will contact you about your decision. It's that simple. And we want to rejoice with you. You say, but I don't have a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. You you say, I don't know what the next step is. We'll give you a next step booklet that'll show you what the next step is for your life. That's what we want to do for you. That's what a church does. And so allow us to help you live this life for Jesus. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Wes and Jill are going to come. They're going to close out with some announcements and we're going to be dismissed. But I hope that you, you learn today what it means to be really big and rich. Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you that you taught us about money. I thank you that you tell us the truth about money and how it lies to us sometimes and, and tries to sell us you know, a lie that says we're going to be happy if all we have is money. But Lord, I thank you for money. I thank you for the money that you've given me personally, for the money that you've given each family in this, in this barn today. I thank you for you being the, the true riches though and how you can satisfy us. And Lord, I pray that today that we would use our money to be rich toward you and rich toward others because that's where true satisfaction is found. And so Lord, help us to maybe change our lifestyle to do that. Help us to get in a position where we can glorify you and honor you through our riches. And we will give you all the glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction.